It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. How you doing, man? I'm good, bro. You good? Always, yeah. You good, man. Yeah, hey, yeah. I'm feeling good right now, bro. Sure. Feeling good. We got the candle lit, candle, yo. Candles yeah, lit. I'll get the vibes right. <laughs> Feng shui, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, if this is your first time tuning in, like I said, this is the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up Network. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you and welcome. Uh, this is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, right? Yeah, Hustlers, sure. movers, shakers. All that, man. Breakers, what I don't know, man. <laughs> All that, man. But yeah, man, just people who are really out here carving lanes for themselves, uh, as well as people coming from behind. Um, again, you know, we always got to shout out the family members, right? Uh, the consistent supporters, viewers, uh, family members, man, right? Of the Up and Up podcast and the Up and Up always. platform as a whole, man. Shout yeah. out to y'all for the consistent support and energy y'all are giving us. We're gonna bring it back to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any, any, anything you wanna say? Oh yeah, man. Uh we got the shirts out too. Oh, man, yeah, finally. Okay, okay. You know, so okay. uh up and up clothing dot com. Uh go cop. They're going fast, but you yeah. know, we're coming out a little bit more after okay. that too. So Yeah, we got y'all. We got y'all. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry. Um now, so for the first time listeners, um, you know, we pride ourselves on making sure we can always provide our audience with a special guest, right? Mm-hmm. Um and today's guest uh is a man whose passion for his craft and not only the passion for his craft, but the impact in which his craft can have is second to none. Uh, if you ask me, he's a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything he's doing on the up and up, obviously. Um, he's the lead singer and one-sixth of the infamous and relentless band known as Martial Law Band, uh, based out of Seattle, Washington. Come on, man. Hometown. Come on, Come man. Come on, represent it. Represent it. Uh, to give you guys some insight on the band, their music focuses on individual empowerment, positive community change, um, with the filter of hard-hitting hip-hop vocals over funk instrumentation. And to go further, uh, you know, with their most really recent release uh, of an album uh, called Twelfth and Pine, which was birthed within the heart um, of the, you know, the demonstrations and protests that took place in 2020 uh, that was advocating for black lives and the liberation of black lives. Uh, you know, not only did they uplift many and inspire many, they also put themselves on the map to be recognized and nominated for a Pulitzer Prize in the music category, which hey, is crazy, man. Yeah. Um, but I'm not surprised at all, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's just get straight to him, man. Our guest is none other than a change maker himself, Marshall Hugh. Can we get a round of applause? Yeah. Bro, bro? How you doing, brother? Oh, man. This is like long overdue. I've heard that podcast intro about yeah. seven, eight times. I'm not even going to listen. I, I mean, I'm here at episode 66. I tapped in for about seven, eight of them things. Yeah, so man. this is just a, a dream come true to be sitting here with y'all and just seeing it's family oriented, seeing how it's driven. Like, yeah, man. Man, y'all kings, man. Thank you for man, having me. Appreciate, appreciate you, bro. too, we King, appreciate man. You, Thank bro. you for coming, bro. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. It's man, how you blessed. feeling? You good? I'm, I'm so good. I can't <laughs> even. I, I couldn't lie to you if I wanted to, yeah. family. Everything, I'm blessed. Yes, I'm blessed. Yes. and uh, it's it's a it's a lot of hard work, a lot a culmination of a lot of hard work. But 
I, I couldn't be happier. Mm, I love it, man. Well, so, so. you know, since you, you obviously are familiar with the show, we usually start every episode with a quote of the day. Mm, been looking Get, forward to this. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Me too, man. I never know what's coming. And, you know, I, they don't let me tell quotes, so, okay, you know. Yeah. You're Excuse a slow One day, man. Don't worry, man. One day, <laughs> it out there. One like, day you got it, man. It's about One day you got voice. it. <laughs> what, we, what we got, man? All right, so the, the quote of the day today is, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Mm, I just had beautiful. to drop that because that was from uh, another local legend, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Mm. So, you know, so come on, man. It's super funny. We were you talking about our saying? drummer Matt, the hospitality before. That's what he always says to me. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, you right on target, man. Come right on, on. Man. Yeah, that's, a, that's a powerful <laughs> quote, man. Can you run that back, bro? Yeah, yeah. Please. So it's uh, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. Mm. Mm. Shout out Jimi Hendrix, man. Yeah, man. Rest in peace to a legend for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, man. So Marshall, bro. Um, man, that was a, that was a great quote. I think it steers Appreciate us it, man. perfectly into yeah. into this conversation. Grounding. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, obviously, I, in the intro, I explained a little bit about kind of what your guys' aim and mission is with the band. But I would love to hear, and you know, I, I'm sure our audience would love to hear from your perspective, kind of like what it, what it would you say describes your guys' mission and aim with the Marshall Law Band. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for us, you know, the whole the whole objective is to show people that if you apply your passion in your craft way, who do I look at? Do I look at the camera? Do I look at you? Is it is anywhere, bro? Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere okay, honestly, cool, cool. man. So I'll look, look at the guy. Look at the guy. Look at the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I'm like, <laughs> nah, you good? You good, bro? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the the whole mission is to show that through your passion, through your creativity, mm-hmm. you can inspire your sphere and your circle around you, supercharge those people up, mm. and create change within your specific community and sphere of influence mm. and then that change can be replicated in like larger s- scales so you provide the proof of concept in your own life you provide the proof of concept in your own friend circle then you outreach to your community and then hopefully that affects your city your region and then you know the next plan is the world mm. to really to really change it you know mm. and so we do that through love like your quote said yeah. it's like no matter what the action against us is no mm-hmm. matter what our initial response is, we're going to default to love Yeah, and then start from that framework. Yeah. And it'd be amazing when you're not starting from like uh cantankerous or like from a defensive standpoint mm-hmm. and you're starting from like, dang, I know this person's coming at me like this because they don't have the love that they need in their life to process like, I'm but one man. I'm but one human in your life. Like yeah. you're gonna get mm-hmm. upset, this upset about that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, for us, is to just remind people and shake people. Like, yo, I don't care how mad you get, how upset you did, what you did left or right. Like, listen to this music, mm-hmm. partake in whatever you partake in to create peace amongst you, and then you know, spread that peace outwardly. Mm. And so that that's our mission, and it's manifesting this summer in trying to create like safe zones where the city can come together and it's like i right, i don't care what you guys got going on elsewhere mm-hmm. but while you're here it's no beef it's mm-hmm. no problems and I so love it. that's what we're trying to create uh this summer but you know the whole goal is yeah. to try to do that and say have other people look at it and say whoa this is what they're doing in Seattle. Yeah. This is what they're doing in the Pacific Northwest. Like, yeah. they're kind of crazy up there, yeah. but we're as far as we can be from the centralized government. Mm-hmm. So, hey, maybe let's try this. Yeah. And, I, like, you know, I spent some time in L.A. I spent some time in Hawaii, and I can feel the vibes around there. So I know that those places are, like, ripe 
ripe yeah. for these yeah. type of like communal explosions. Like we're right now in our time in history ripe for a renaissance. Mm. That's real. Yeah. I agree with you on that one too. And I think it's dope because, you know, you got to have a foundation and identity, right? Like regardless of what you're trying to do. And I think that it's evident, obviously, if you if people pay attention to what you guys have been doing and how you move, it's evident that you guys have an identity and you know what you're about um, and your why behind why you, what you're doing. So that's dope, bro. Thanks for sharing that. Now, uh, I kind of want to get into kind of your upbringing, bro. Like, what was it like for you, um, you know, coming up early in, 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 your, in your early years? Um, what, what were some things that kind of inspired you and, and, and how was that growing up? Yeah, so growing up, you know, I'm really just like a combination of two worlds colliding. So I'm biracial. My dad's black. He's from South Central L.A. Mm -hmm. His father's from Marshall, Texas. And his father, so my great-grandfather was named Hugh Massengale. Mm. So that's how I get my name, uh, Marshall Hugh Massengale. Marshall for Marshall, Texas. Hugh for my great-great-grandfather, who was the son of a slave, mm -hmm. raised in Marshall, Texas. And then, you know, Massengale is the name that we got and then changed because it wasn't spelled properly to white you know mm -hmm. standards and whatnot mm -hmm. so that's kind of my father's story whereas my mom and, and you know eventually from south central he went to school in the pacific northwest and that's where he met my mom who's my dad's from a family of five brothers my mom's from a family of five sisters mm. and they're both kind of the youngest of those and so both of their older siblings kind of set the foundation for going to school and go pursuing education mm -hmm. as a means of changing their circumstance. And so my father met my mother who was from Tucson, Arizona at uh, Lewis and Clark university at, in Portland. Mm -hmm. And then together they moved to uh, Seattle to work for fluke. And then eventually Microsoft during that kind of initial tech boom mm -hmm. and this my great migration of tech minded and educated people to Seattle. Mm -hmm. So my father was kind of one of the, black people that were he was hired in hr so he wasn't specifically a coder or mm -hmm. anything in the tech mm -hmm. department mm -hmm. but he's dealing with he's in the building relation he's in yeah. the building yeah, yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> in the building he's taking yeah, yeah. and he told me actually just yesterday i my pop's actually my manager right now okay and wow, so it's, it's family yeah. business mm -hmm. and he told me yesterday that he took a four thousand dollar pay cut to go from fluke to microsoft to accept stock options and you know at the time it's like four thousand dollars if you're only making fifty thousand yeah. dollars you got yeah. two a uh, family to support it's like oh he's taking a risk yeah yeah but you know he did that because he's like oh, i think i see something in here and so he took that stock option and you know my pops really like boomed off of it yeah wow. so me growing up i had two older sisters mm -hmm. uh one of my sisters right now shout out alex massingale but she goes by addie woolridge she's actually a number one author in like multicultural uh romance and all this stuff like she just signed a book a deal with amazon books and stuff what so i know wow. it's crazy it's crazy yeah. it's in the family bro yeah exactly it's, my, it's crazy it's really in the family it's bro crazy. i love to hear that that's dope and my, my other sister she's like working from the inside out getting her phd at stanford you know okay so that's like right now currently is almost like it's funny because it took years but it's kind of a snapshot of what my life was like like mm -hmm. real high achieving uh siblings in an environment where like my pops like made it out from South Central LA mm -hmm. to like the dream, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was combined with my mom who just like had like this spirit of love. Her dad was a doctor mm -hmm. and she's from Tucson, Arizona. So she she don't know what's going on, you know what I yeah. mean? She 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 knows what's going on in her realm in her life. Yeah. But she doesn't really understand my dad's like 
he one thing about him is he made us understand like you're black and life isn't fair like mm -hmm. yeah those are some of the earliest memories i have is my dad like really drilling to me like no one's about to hand you anything you know yeah. Yeah. and my mom would always be the person to kind of shelter me from that and that's where i think i get like my loving and like communal spirit mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know like if it was up to my pops dog i'd be taking and running <laughs> like i'd really be on some <laughs> south central like dog you yeah. up go you yeah. know yeah. and it's that balance though yeah it's that, that balance. balance and i yeah. feel like it fits well for the northwest yeah. and, and like my upbringing and who i am at my core like i don't feel like i'm only my black dad yeah i feel like i am half my white mom who sees the good in the world because yeah. maybe she hasn't been knocked down the same way right <coughs> mm, so true. so me growing up man it was nice to be honest with you because my pops just like my pops is a funny cat bro like, he really just be talking all types of trash. So another just early memory is just he would just take me down to the hood, basically, take me right down. I ran SCA track. I played rotary in-house. Like, I just had to go right to where the action was at and compete against them. He's like, you're not going to be no poop butt. That's just what he said. <laughs> That's just what he said to me, you know what I'm yeah, saying? And yeah. like, it was before I even understood mm -hmm. what was going on and, like, how I was being raised around me. And, you know, I'm from Mill Creek. Yeah. So I went to Jackson. I went to Heatherwood. Like, yeah. I'm gonna drink some water for you, fam. My <laughs> this is artisan uh, up and up water, right? Hair, here. Handcrafted up and up water. Let's just say that. Go ahead. This thing right here go crazy. I'm trying to tell you, don't about no label. You know what I mean? So look, like yeah, because yeah, because Mill Creek, like you know, you're you're from you went to Mariner, so you yeah, know. Yeah. Mill Creek is this very weird bubble because it's nestled between Everett and Linwood, which is like two places where people think, especially in the hip hop scene, they think like meth and stuff i don't know it's like you're missing teeth you know that's what they they act like we got out there but yeah. mill creek is nestled as like a like a community that has resources you know what i'm saying yeah, it yeah. has basketball courts it has five or six different gyms yeah it has healthy food options mm -hmm. it doesn't have liquor stores it doesn't have mer like weed dispensaries yeah. so it just has people that are like healthier yeah. to be honest yeah. with you it has the resources to have healthy people mm -hmm. so when i'm growing up it was really funny because i would have my dad like ripping me into situations where he's like listen like you're gonna go stay with your uncle for the summer and i'd be like kicking and screaming he's just like you're going to la for the summer like yeah. you know you don't get it but i'm <laughs> doing you a favor right yeah. now you know yeah. and then i go to school and they're teaching this like cookie cutter curriculum mm -hmm. i'm over here thinking like the world solved because me and my bros are out here. We haven't lost a game mm -hmm. since kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I'm the best player, like, and me and my other bros are also balling too, you yeah. know? So <laughs> it just, like, wasn't no problems. Like, I really grew up in, like, this, like, bubble, right? Yeah. And then it kind of popped for me um, when I was about 11 because, man, this is something I always just, like, I got to big up my pops for mm -hmm. this, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And that's why I try to tell this story to people so, like, I don't tell a lot of people this story, but I love talking to y'all about it because I feel like it's a good time to really yeah. open up about yeah. this. And yeah. it's just a good Definitely. time in my life to open yeah. up about this. So my pops, you know, he came from poverty. He came from that, and he kind of created this bubble. But when he started seeing the stock options, he started seeing how he worked, he's like, bro, I'm up. Mm -hmm. And having, like, $10 million is the same as having $1 million. Mm. Like, you're... 
living expenses become the same, mm-hmm. the things you do become the same. They just upscale up, mm-hmm. and you can't really make a play with ten million. Mm-hmm. Like you can sustain your lifestyle and stay working at your job, but if you were trying to be the person that runs the job, yeah. you can't have no ten million. You have to like really make a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just remember, you know, my sister, she got into Stanford and my other sister was going to opera for USC. And I just like, I just remember it was very, very distinct. Uh, I was like, man, I'm trying to get these shoes. And my mom was like, you can't get these shoes. And I was just like, what? You know, like it was like a forward concert to be like, what? You yeah. can't get these shoes. And it was cause my pops, man, he really took all the money that we had and he said, like, bro, if I made it, I'm going to risk it. And he tried to – he was racing people to try to be the first for the smartphone. He had a he had a prototype in his hand that was called – his company was called Spinoza because an inventor back in the past and an innovator back in the past. And I had, like, a prototype of the smartphone. So he basically took all his money. He, like, siphoned some people from Microsoft and stuff to write code and, like, bet it all on the family – and like it didn't go how it was supposed to. He mm. adapted and was able to like provide like a life where it's like it's not like I was ever hungry or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But it went from me never thinking of money to being like, yo, your sisters need to take out student loans to pay for Stanford. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. I got them to Stanford, so it's good. Like yeah. we're gonna keep doubling down on this business. Yeah. And so I was at O'Day with him and I watched him like lose his downtown office and go from like, okay, we never have to worry about anything to like, okay, now we're back fighting through the mud to try to create generational wealth for our family. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, to this day, I'm so proud of him for that, bro, because he just, he took the risk, you know, yeah. he was up and he took the risk yeah. and, you know, he kind of, he got, he ran into T-Mobile and Apple and all these other people. But my pops really like, he tried to like go for the billions. Yeah. But that, that, yeah. that image alone is worth a lifetime, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just that representation and see that like up close day to day. Yeah. That, that will, that will plant seeds in your subconscious, bro. That's why I'd be going like how I'd be going. You know, a lot of people don't get it. It's just like, I, I seen the other side. And then my pops told me like, bro, it don't matter if you have money, Mm -hmm. if you don't have the ability to really provide for you and your family for years and years and for the community around you and these type of things, then you're still a part of the system that's going on Mm -hmm. and that's okay. But honestly for, he was just like for a dude like me and for your grandfather and for what I'm raising you to be on, like, that's not what we're on. That's just not the expectation that that's on. Yeah. And so, you know, my mom really tried to like shelter me from that because that's just like a lot to put on a kid. You know what I mean? Like, damn, you got to go out there and try to change the world. Yeah. And so I, I struggled with that in a lot of different ways. And I found a lot of success through athletics that kind of masked that responsibility and that calling. And I was hoping that I could maybe pursue athletics to obtain a platform and then eventually go into like politics. Yeah. And so, you know, with athletics, it went well. I went to O'Day for three years. And then um, my senior year, my coach, Phil Lumpkin, he actually passed. And uh, my bro, Brett Kingma, you know, you know, you're a yeah. whole person. You know, yeah. what's, you know what's going on mm-hmm. in the community. My boy, Brett Kingma, is one of the toughest white boys to ever play in Seattle. Hands down. He will give you 40 burgers. I seen him give <laughs> Tony Roden's Rotary team a 40 burger with yeah. my own eyes. Nah, he, got, he got a cannon you on him, too. Me? Yeah, so yeah. he's like, man, like, your coach just passed. You don't know what's going on. Like, 
are you sure, you know, your dad don't got the office down there anymore? Like, are you sure you don't want to just come back to Jackson and hoop? So I'm like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. So we made we made it all the way to state championship, lost to Josh Smith's giant ass. Boy, it was 6'10", 310, you know what I'm saying? He gave us a damn near triple-double in the, in the uh, championship game. But, we, you know, we beat Fedway and had all this, like, just like a crazy historic run. And I really thought my identity was going to be athletics then. And I had some, like, walk-on uh, opportunities. I had some D2 opportunities. And I just, like kind of succumbed to like my family's pressure of academics mm. and I just chose to go to the best school I got into because Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh they wanted me for uh, basketball and football mm -hmm. or football and then maybe basketball or something the dude dude was acting funny but I was like oh, I'm finna yeah. go out there so then I go out there and I'm like man it's just the athletics is not lit enough nobody cares about this yeah, yeah, yeah and i don't care about the academics without the athletics like i really lost like my vigor and i didn't have my support system and i was just like kind of lost out there in pittsburgh like trying to discover myself and i met my homies uh and one of my homies goes by crispy he was freestyling at the party so this is where music's coming in. Yeah, I, 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 can, I, I can feel it coming. It coming. Yeah. yeah, And so it was already kind of dabbled. My other bro, Marcus Griffin and, and uh, Marcus mm -hmm. G. Baby, he he uh, he was rapping in high school. He let me get on a couple tracks. I did like a Jackson song, some light. You know, I always freestyle the party, but once some light. Once once <laughs> I once I really got at Carnegie Mellon and I freestyled with Crispy for the first time, he was going so crazy. <laughs> nobody would rap with him. I'm like, all right, I'll rap with him. But he was going on some conscious stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm not finna get him on no, like, Pol Pot, Soul Sot. You yeah, know, I'm yeah. like, damn, I got to go with the party bars, you know. Yeah. At the time, my Atlanta homies had just introduced me to 2 Chains. So it was a lot of Wayne as a reference, a lot of 2 Chains as a reference. So these are, these are, are, these, are these also influences, you would say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. and I was looking up because I was going to Pittsburgh for school. So I looked up, I Googled Pittsburgh rappers. Mm -hmm. You feel me? And who popped up? Wiz. Wiz yeah. hadn't even dropped Black and Yellow yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He hadn't even dropped Cushion Orange Juice yet. Yeah. yeah. I'm over here slapping, showing all the homies. Yeah. That's when I started burning, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I wanted yeah. to get yachted. Uh, <laughs> I was ready, you know? We had ink my whole body, all that without. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an era. That was an era. As soon as I turned 18, yachted, you know, right here. But then it was such like a, I got like all the people that had passed mm -hmm. and I, I like got like a real serious tattoo. I couldn't get no butterfly or something like rainbow. I was yeah, just like, yeah. dang, it was super serious. So the next tat I got was uh, actually like eight years later, 12th and Pine. Mm. Right there. Um, but yeah, so I went, I, 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 uh, I looked up. I found Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller. Wiz yeah. Khalifa, Mac Miller, and Chevy Woods. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Mac Miller, I think, highlight. That's when I found mm -hmm. it. And I was here listening to another night alone, like over and over again. Like, oh my God, like this is where I'm headed. Like, I can't wait to get out to Pittsburgh. I was mm -hmm. actually hella excited, you know? Yeah. And so I got out there and the culture was dope. It's just like once I started rapping, you couldn't get me to care about anything else, dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 curious though, because like I think music influences everybody, you know, in different ways. And everybody's tried their hand, I think, at, at rapping or playing instruments and stuff like that but for you like because like look at where you're at now obviously you and your band and your group members like when did it become real for you um at what point would you say like okay i want to i want to pursue this as a career um and, and kind of how, how did that transition happen yeah man so basically i went 
I went from going to school and playing every day to like, I had some like bad breaks. Like I was really getting loose at practice. I was for real, for real hooping. And it was just like some like senior, like the seniors get to play type thing. Mm -hmm. And man, at the time I wasn't even trying to hear the long ball game. Mm -hmm. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm eating this dude every single day in practice. Mm -hmm. Like it's embarrassing. I'm dogging bro. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't get that aspect of it through my head that there was like, okay, wait your turn. And then your junior and senior year, when you're getting your degree, you're going to get all these accolades. Like as a freshman, I came in there after third practice. If I wasn't on first team, I'll give dude buckets talking about like your weight, bro. I'm killing you. Yeah. And that energy was just not welcome, bro. At like Carnegie Mellon university. They're just like, bro, you're doing too, basically you're, (laughs) you're barking too much, you know, like it's not a good fit. You're being disruptive. And like, I couldn't see it. So that made me see like, okay, sports isn't serious for me. Mm -hmm. I either need to transfer sports isn't serious. Mm -hmm. Then I started rapping, started writing in the book, started writing in the book. And I made my first song with my homie Mike Mike Martin. Jump, jump, bounce, bounce, just oh, another ounce mm-hmm. trap house bucket like Diddy Boy Entourage. Like I can still remember. I was talking yeah. about some nonsense, but yeah. I can still remember. <laughs> like, I, like it was so visceral, you know. And I and then the next day I made two songs, and then it was up from there. Mm-hmm. It was up from there. You couldn't tell. I, was, I already in my head immediately. I was like, I'm gonna do this the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah. As soon as I as soon because it was that fix I was looking for. Because I always wanted, they would always make me do the speeches at school. I always liked performing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, and I was killing it at the uh, freestyles at the at the party. Yeah. And people are like, damn, bro, you got sauce, you got this. I couldn't tell if it was just because I was at Carnegie Mellon and they yeah. never seen a black person yeah. rap before or what the hell was going yeah. on. You know, I you really want to know if it was real or not. Yeah. yeah. Then I made the first track and I was like, man, I don't care if people like it or not. This feeling I got, mm. oh my. So I started, people, they thought that my teachers thought I was taking notes. I was just writing, writing in this this leather book that they just had. Like, you know, Carnegie Mellon's the type of place where they'll have like 50 leather books just on a table that any student can take. You mm. know, so I took this thing, I was boom, 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 writing it up, writing it up. And I knew I was gone, so I applied for an internship at Cube 93. I got the internship at Cube 93. I talked to Tyler. I, won, I actually got the internships at 106.1, and they're like, no, this is a Cube 93 guy because they're all under iHeart. Mm-hmm. As soon as mm-hmm. I got that internship, I stopped doing all homework. I was just like, bruh, it's over. I started yeah. hitting all my bros <laughs> yeah. that used to rap. Like, I'm locked com- in. I'm coming yeah. home. It's over. I'm coming home. I'm coming Let's, home. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, and so yeah. that, like, we joined. We started this group, the Monk Stars, Minorities Undermined National Government. We were rapping like Ray Schremert. <laughs> like, bro, like, it was so off base. You know, my family, they just looked at me like, bro, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> doing like it was well, wait what was the name of that group uh the Mung stars oh, minorities man. undermining national government you know to say it didn't pan out surprisingly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah that's 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 dope bro yeah. i think yeah, uh that is. yeah that's dope yeah so how did how did uh how did martial law start yeah now this is the craziest story so look <clears throat> excuse me i occasionally partake in smoking Marijuana. Okay, good. So, so um, basically, my parents are like, "Okay, bet you're a rapper now. You're a grown man." And this is what I like again. My pops, bro, he's just so thorough. He's just like, "Bro, I'm not gonna tell you that 
education equates success. I would never tell you that. Yeah. But if you aren't treating this thing like a business, you're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're a grown man and you're currently approaching this like a business, then you got to go be a grown man. Cuddy gave me $1,000 for my down payment and said, go ahead, Cuddy. <laughs> and so I hit my best friend, Rahul. And uh, I said, bro, my parents are basically kicking me out if I'm going to do this. Like, should I still do it or should I go back to school? Mm -hmm. He's like, you're tripping, bro. Like, go do this, dog. And so he's been my best friend since sixth grade, Indian homie, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So me and him clicked up because we're the brown people in the advanced placement class mm -hmm. in Mill Creek. Mm -hmm. And so he and his family's from Vancouver and India. So they were just like on a completely different yeah. tip, you know, yeah. like it, it, He's, he he's he like, showed he, me the Tupac, you know. He, he's vicariously living through you, probably. <laughs> oh man, my brother who like in, in the yeah. song Cleos, I shout him out like, yeah, uh, yeah. like who uh, just wait till I hit this opera? Who like March wait till I am a doctor? We big as our nostrils because we mm. both got big ass noses. <laughs> you feel me? That's my dog. Listen to the rap. Had to, had to roast him too, you know. <laughs> Roasting us both, you know. And so, uh, so, so who's like, bro? Forget all that. I coach uh, part time at this place called Little Kickers and make bro. Mm. You feel me? I got yeah, it on yeah. still to remind myself, you know what I'm saying, what I went through. So he was like, bro, you can come coach soccer here. You can get enough, and then you can do your internship at Cube 93. I'll move out of my parents because his family's brown, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're like, you're not going to just spend – eight thousand dollars a year living uh, 20 minutes down the street yeah, buddy like yeah. no you're this is like we're doing this financially yeah. and w our future is dependent on you yeah you right. know so he put me like on to family business a little bit so i'm like bro you've you're graduating a year early you spent your first two years living with your parents like you got to put your foot down, family. Like, yeah. come on, bro. And so he finally bossed up. He's yeah. like, nah, dog. Like, uh, like, I deserve to have a college experience. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So we get a place on 18th and 45th. It's called the Upstairs Downstairs Apartment. This is right after I got kicked out of my parents because I dropped out of school to be a rapper rapping like Ray Schremer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about, they're like, what is your goal? I'm like, to start a grassroots movement that could change the world. They're like, but you're rapping, talking about jump, jump, bounce, bounce, just sold another <laughs> Try it, like, make it make sense yeah. for real. but honestly in my head i didn't even see the disconnect fam yeah, yeah. i really that's how hard i'd be going it's dog. passion once though, i man. got something yeah. i'm just like i'm full tilt yeah so next thing you know uh, I, we move out we go to 18th and 45th and so it's just me and him and they place you with four other random ass people you don't know who's gonna be in there yeah so it's my african homie uh a fazica and Mecca was staying. He had a cousin staying with him. And then another guy we called GQ, who was just like, he actually had, ended up going to high school with us. Then there was a 50-year-old, 55-year-old man in there named John. We never would see him. And then there was a guy in there named Marty who, like, was just a huge death metal fan. Mm -hmm. And so we, I literally just spent a year doing Mung Stars, doing this group stuff, working uh, Cube 93, mm -hmm. doing all the internships. And uh, after a year, you know how it goes when you're young. Uh, like basically, I needed to move out or I was gonna get evicted because yeah. we're out here till 3 a.m. throwing yoga pants parties. You know, it's right there on 18th <laughs> and 45th. Like I, I, I was taking myself so seriously, but I was putting myself in tough situations. <laughs> yeah. No mere mortal could have withstood the temptation because all my bros yeah. from up north are right down the street. They're teaks and stuff at yeah. the frat party, mm -hmm. so yeah. we got like the party rap thing going for us, but I'm trying to be serious 
years with this. Mm-hmm. And my my, edu- my my foundation is in like, you know, intelligence and education, but it's also my life is rooted on 18th and 45th mm-hmm. here at Greek Row. So a whole year goes by. I eventually move out with my guy, uh, uh, Garrett, a.k.a. G-Baby, who's like a, he's like a 30-year-old guy with all gray hair, but he like took me under his wing. Mm-hmm. And so we move out. And he, he, he buys me the first MacBook I ever had as a solo artist off his credit. And he paid for my first three months of rent so I could move out because I was going through some drama, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I didn't have my parents to fall back on for, like, the first time. And I'm working little kickers. I never coached soccer in my life. Yeah. Ever. You know, I'm a basketball, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm like, whatever. I can do it. I'm coaching babies and stuff. And so Marty, my roommate for a whole year, hits me. He's like, hey, bro, what are you doing tonight? Like, my band's got a jam at Dante's. I'm like, bro, you're in a band? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you've been, we've been making struggle beats, bro. Like, yeah. real deal struggle beats. A sax could have laced any beat. Mm-hmm. And so I pull up, and it's the exact same band minus my drummer. I was telling y'all earlier mm-hmm. off, off camera about mm-hmm. how Matt got on. Yeah. And, and minus my drummer, it was the same four exact people. Uh, I pulled up. I spit my solo stuff for the first time over top uh, instrumentation, and we just had the crowd so lit, and everybody was just like, "Yo, this is crazy." I'm like, "This is so different," and I just told them like, "Yo, I'm gonna come up with the craziest plan. Like, just wait till I come back." They were like, <laughs> they, were, "They they looked at me like, bro, what the hell are you talking about?" I was like, "Just wait till I come back." I literally. Dipped off the map for a whole year, bro. Oh, my God. A whole year, bro? I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was... But like, my head... That's a long time, bro. I, a whole I'm not gonna year. Lie. A whole I'm not gonna year. Lie. Yeah, yeah. And so, finally, I was sending texts to the keys player, like, this is my idea, this is my idea, this is my idea. And he called me. I'm like, bro, I've been texting you for a year, you know? Like, you're not about it. He's like, bro, I haven't been getting your text messages. Like, I didn't know if we were still a band or what the hell was going Like, what was happening? Yeah. And I had come up and written the whole hip opera mm. and, like, 50 different songs for the band to learn and, like, recreate, you know? Mm-hmm. And I came with them. I, I met my, my neighbor who was supposed to be my drummer. He had to go to Scottsdale to support, you know, his newfound family. We met Matt, the drummer, and... We did a rehearsal. He, Matt sent the doobie heme around, the cookies, I believe, possibly the OG. <laughs> and we we went through, we made Shaman, we made Superwoman, and we made the hip opera happen in like three weeks. And that was the start of Martial Law Band in, in late 2017. Yo, that's, wow. Hey, first and foremost, man, you have a way of storytelling. I'm not going to lie. That's real, bro. You you took me there. You took me there. I was literally like, I felt like I was watching a movie, bro. I feel like I know who Marty is, even though I've never met the man. I feel like I was one of the roommates, bro. What you mean? I'm saying, because everyone got that one roommate who got his cousin just, okay, you're like, is he just our roommate now? You know, he got the other roommate who's pissed about the cousin being there. You're like, yo, so, so. Now, thank you for sharing that because I think that's important for people who are watching or listening who want to go into this lane of, you know, music and being an artist professionally, right? Like you said, as a business. Um, can you speak to the difference between you guys having chemistry and music and then chemistry in the profession and work side? Because I, I think that's something that a lot of people may not know about. Um, how do you guys balance that and what, what works for you guys? Well, it, that's, like, so important, especially in music, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're doing this with your friends. Like, you are doing this with your best friends. Yeah. And 
I don't know about y'all, but the people I'm closest with in my life, especially me, because I'm so turned up and so much, those are the people I argue with the most. Those mm -hmm. are the people I have the most clashes with. Yeah. So it's like even just last night, we're sitting to, sitting down together, like past the spirit stick type thing. Like, hey, what do you think while no one else speaks? Mm -hmm. You know, because it gets to this point where at first it was fun. Yeah. At first we're just doing this hip opera off the whim and I don't care if they show up on time or if they're at every rehearsal or if they really, really believe in the vision. Mm -hmm. But then as things progress and we start making money or they start asking for money and mm -hmm. stuff, it's like, all right, that comes with expectations. And if mm -hmm. you aren't investing the same amount as me in this, yeah. where do our percentages shake out? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the part right there where either most bands break up or yeah. it just gets super sticky or it just like people ignore it and that that was very difficult for us mm -hmm. so what we had to do you know there's a lot of steps in between but what we had to do is one bring in third parties and outside business people that can be mediators and evaluators that say like non-biasedly like all right hey sound check is that one you can't be upset that marshall's upset that you showed up at 3 30 yeah. you know what i mean yeah. mm -hmm. or vice versa I, they're like yo these people have their own lives. You can't call a jelly bean performance the day before just because it got sunny out of nowhere and expect everyone to drop their thing. Yeah. Like, that's not reasonable. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the give and take, it doesn't really happen that naturally. There's usually, you have to implement some business uh, mechanisms and systems, yeah. if you will, that will, procedures that will guide you through how to navigate personal discrepancies yeah. business structure add some structure Ex to exactly it. yeah. it's yeah. all about the structure so that didn't really come into fruition until uh after this summer with all the crazy stuff that happened in and the yeah. media and yeah. just the, the swirl of it is like like i said that's when i was like man i had to holler at my pops and be like yeah i need you out retirement family like yeah. i need you to just look people in their face and tell them it is it is this or it is that mm -hmm. and to have my best interests at heart and i know no one's gonna have that more than my pops mm -hmm. and i know no one's gonna have that more than matt because he's shown me with his actions and, and his investments and his words and, and his movements mm -hmm. and like same with marty and same with these other you know when i seen some of my bandmates like jump off stage and go put their hands up right in front of some cops and some national guards i was like okay like damn like what more could i ask for from yeah. friends what yeah. more what type of sacrifice could i ask for yeah. like it's a matter of just figuring out how to make it work mm -hmm. and so right now you know like we're thinking in times terms of hours yeah i'm trying to only have to have the band work 15 hours a week on martial law band so they can go get their paper and mm -hmm. i can still navigate individually like yeah. how i am now that's that structure mm -hmm. man i i and i asked that because i think it's just important for people to learn like you know it, it you know, they always say, like, oh, don't do business with friends and all that stuff. But what they leave out is, like, put some structure to it, and it makes things easier, you right, for it. everybody. And even, like, in Hawaii, you know, we're writing the new album, and, like, me and my bro, Mercy Lewis, he's the keys player. He's the one who makes all the beats. If it was just me and him making beats, like, there would be no, no problems between us. But we're trying to balance all these other moving influences in the band. He wants maybe the music to go in this direction. I want this. And then it's also happening on a moving train where it's like, listen, we can't wait to make decisions. So if you're going to take a year to make a decision and I'm capable of making one right now, yeah. I'm just going to make the decision right now, bro. And you got to live with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so these are these are 
life-altering decisions because it affects people's schedules. It affects people's personal life, and they are very passionate about them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, man, me and my bro, Mercy Lewis, middle of Hawaii, paradise, bro. We had it out till four in the morning or something like that, you know? And that's what my pops calls, like, making sausage. Like, it's not going to be pretty. If you bring your friends involved in your business, it's not going to be pretty. And if you are going to be a successful business person, it's not going to be pretty because there's going to come a time where you have to look at somebody and say, what you're doing isn't good enough. Yeah. I need you to do this or I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed at how many people respond because I feel like a lot of people don't have that sports background or that honest feedback background yeah, or yeah. parents that held them to that type of standard and background that you could say that to somebody and it'll be like you just offended their mother. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, it's bit like yeah. mm-hmm. you're not doing this. Yeah. As a result, I have to do this yeah. or this or this. Yeah. Those are the options. Yeah. No hard feelings. Yeah, for sure. But when you talk to your friends, there is yeah. hard feelings. You know, yeah. there's sweat equity. There's a uh, a lot of off the clock hours, mm-hmm. right? Because that's hard to. You know, your bros might just be sipping some brews, but if you're they're talking about martial law band for five hours, they wake up the next day being like, dog, I just put in five hours of mm-hmm. martial law band work. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really hard to yeah. manage. Friends. It's not it's not black and white. And it's we we so know that. Hard. We know that. But yeah. it's just dope that we can get an inside look on because you guys are successful and you guys are making it work, but I just love when people can show like, hey, nothing is <laughs> black and white yeah. I'm it ain't sweet all the time you know yeah, and that's how yeah. you learn that's how you yeah. learn and grow so if you're if you're if you enjoy that and you embrace that then everybody's gonna grow it's like a team you know yeah. like anybody who's been on a sports team like one of the things that's like you've seen what with the michael jordan doc like yeah bro people will come to blows middle of practice mm-hmm. but when it's time to lace it up there's not one person in the world that i wouldn't you know when mj started crying talking about like you know what i'm saying like no yeah. i didn't ask them to play like that like this is how i play the game like yeah bro i felt dude so hard because <laughs> I, I just be waking up so geeked and i'd be playing the game with so much passion that yeah. you know some people will like maybe say something negative around me or like not match my enthusiasm or just have like a downer attitude around me and like, bro, I was a practice player for the storm. Like Sue Bird wasn't accepting that from me as a practice player, buddy. Like I can't have no bad vibes around me yeah. or I'm checking him, you yeah, know? Yeah. And that's just like, that was a learning process for me as a leader to understand because I kept getting results that I was like, I didn't intend for this result to happen. But then I looked around underneath me as a leader and I was like, but I allowed all of these behaviors that I know end up in that ultimately negative result to occur yeah. when I knew that that's not championship behavior from mimicking people like mm. Sue Bird or my pops or Brianna Stewart, you know, in my life and, and people that I've peeled back the curtain for me, like we're talking about yeah. that said like, dog, it is hey, with, with UConn to win four straight championships. Yeah. If somebody's not practicing yeah. hard, you look at them in their face and say, you're giving me a terrible effort right now. And if you don't fix it, you should leave the gym. And that's because they care. And that's because yeah. they care. Yeah. yeah. I think tough. I think it's like when it comes to stuff like that, you got to like remind them like, man, we're trying to get to the same place. Like I'm not doing this because of like personal reasons pretty much. Like yeah. if we want to be millionaires, we got to do millionaire stuff. Like or if we want to do this, we got to be like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get where that passion comes from is to like. It's not coming from a bad place. You yeah. know what I mean? But it can come right. off like that. Yeah. yeah. We gonna, next time we're going to bring the whole band in here so that you guys can. No, I'm just messing, man. Don't get real. It's just, hey. it's just hard because it's friends. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Everyone knows that. Yeah, but yeah. then when you get yeah. caught up in the moment, you're like, 
oh no and then you wake up the next day you're like yeah Dang, bro like bro like we're really arguing about how we could both be like successful and feed our family yeah, exactly, like, yeah. so exactly. It's, but it's, that's the thing and i love that because it's real yeah. and the, the part you guys brought up is they care you know it's better to have someone who cares might be annoying but they care as opposed to someone who doesn't care mm -hmm. who's not bugging you who's not actually pushing you to grow so um now now thanks for sharing that because i think that steers us into kind of what i wanted to touch on is 12 and pine right mm -hmm. your guys most recent release uh super dope album bro i was jamming it i was slapping it when i was driving up today i was i was playing it uh last night as well um that's and, what I was doing to y'all's podcast, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Real deal professionals. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, man. but what's, what's crazy is, because I, 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 I heard it, but I played it because what, what it did was it took me back. It actually, like, you know, music travels, bro, over mm -hmm. time. And it, it takes you places, and it took me there. It took me to 2020. It took me to the protests and the demonstrations and um, the resistance, right? So I want to ask, um, you know, when you guys were creating that album, like, creating an album out of like resistance right like it's one thing to create an album out of inspiration obviously you guys were inspired but to create an album in the midst of feeling so resisted against um how was that creative process because um bro like the album came out amazing the execution was amazing and but that time was just so shitty bro like yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. so how do you all how did y'all do that man because that was that was that was amazing man it's it's wild because i really felt the what, what people tell you in life is like everything that you put out, if you don't put it back in, you know, it's going to catch up with you type thing. Mm -hmm. And so like many people, once I saw the George Floyd video and the subsequent protest, I was just like my head was spinning, you know, mm -hmm. and I had already been kind of a leader in the musical community. So I felt like an obligation to do something like to do something. Yeah, I just knew like I had to do something. So when Omari and they were like, he was on a live stream, it was his personal Facebook, had like 6,000 people on it. He like got pepper sprayed for like the fourth day. He's like, where's the leadership? I honestly like, it felt like a direct call out, bro. I was just like, nah, like, I'm going out there with the band. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's gonna help. I don't know exactly how it's gonna shake left or shake right, but this is my way of leading. This is mm -hmm. the only way I know how, you mm -hmm. know? It felt like clear as day. Yeah. So we just went and, and, and did it. And to cope with those, I mean, we played six straight shows in a row. Yeah. And this is before CHOP. It's not like it's some sweet zone to pull up on. Like, yeah. There's National Guard, like, there's rubber bullets, there's pepper spray, and it's, like, exhausting. And mm -hmm. I'm hitting other artists, like, yo, somebody come out and, like, help me. And it was just, like, a tumultuous time, a lot of energy, a lot of things, like, swirling around. I could only get, like, four or five different vocalists to come out. So yeah. I'm going six days back to back to back. And I'm also, like, I'm learned because... My father's from South Central. He was part of the Watts Uprising, mm -hmm. and his family is like real, real tapped in with the the US movement, which is like kind of like the counter to the Black Panthers. Uh, they kind of grew in parallel to each other, right? Mm -hmm. So Heishimu and Segidi are like my dad's cousins who are part of the founding fathers of Kwanzaa and whatnot. So it's mm -hmm. like it's it's in my family yeah. to 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 respond. So I'm like, okay, I'm using that framework to engage this crazy, tumultuous situation. Yeah. And, and I knew it was going to be a lot, but what I didn't prepare for is the self-care that was needed to really sustain it. Mm. And so I'm just moving like a mile a minute, and I knew that I had to be involved, and I was trying to create community and bring people in, and uh, my voice was just like breaking down. I wasn't sleeping that much. 
I, I was drinking probably more than I needed to. Mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, you know, like I'm not working out or anything. I'm not yeah. getting no type of me time at all. We're going six straight days. Yeah. So that part right there really like it worked me into because again, and you know why I bring up Heishima and Sakiti is also because it's like I know what's going on. I know they put random stuff in water bottles i know they might they're using misinformation i know that mm-hmm. so i'm feeling a little like hikey paranoid as a leader and a target in this situation i'm like making sure my water bottles crack the right way i didn't check your boy but you know what i'm saying <laughs> good, bro. i'm making it good like, this handcrafted water okay, bottle. Girl, we're good. so i'm making sure i'm like handed to the future christmas boy. Like, hey don't let me drink no water bottle you know i got people coming up to me like, hey this is what's happening on 11th and pike like make an announcement i'm like bro that's some fed behavior like yeah. you know like I don't know how to discern it. Yeah. So it really kind of like in a lot of ways worked me into like a mania, if you will, mm. you know. And then as Chop like progressed and boomed into this like unpredictable art thing that like, you know, that wasn't the intention. Yeah. Just, there was nobody. It took a life it. of its own. It took exactly. a life of its own for sure. So that in itself, like, you know, we only played two times after Chop was established, but that in itself being a leader there and just having the recognition, the platform and all that, like I wasn't managing my own health during those times mm-hmm. i was trying to pour it all out yeah and, and, and trying to kind of like save the world as one man and exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah. so we uh basically we were just like look we can't keep playing here because your voice is going to give out and we're all exhausted and it's becoming it's like becoming something that that's not what we're for per mm-hmm. se mm-hmm. but we still want to support it let's find a way to encapsulate your experience and put it all on the track and so we went to Guimas Island for five days. We wrote the whole album. We had some pieces. We had some jams. We wrote some while we were on the street. We went directly from Guimas Island for, for four, a four-day writing retreat and then went directly into the studio with Jack and Dino and Ballard for five straight days. And then we did one other follow-up week session. Uh, a week later, we did two days. And then we mixed and mastered it in three weeks. And that was, that was the album. That's... So, you know, it was masterpiece. So yeah. I put so much into it yeah. that I had forgotten what it was like to put that much energy and effort into anything but musical creation. And by the end of it, you know, I was like heavier than I'd ever been, less athletic than I'd ever been, had established the worst sleeping and eating habits I'd ever been. Like, mm. I put everything I humanly possibly had yeah. into that and that experience at that time. Yeah. And it just like taught me, like, okay, if you can do that like how you were treating yourself imagine if you were actually like geeked up and prepared and you knew okay how other leadership's going to respond you knew okay the history of seattle protests and encampments are like likely outcomes Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. i didn't know none of that yeah you learn on you learn on the job experience is the best teacher man and the part about self-care is really key too because i think a lot of people can learn from that like I think with self-care, especially as men, I think we just end up learning the hard way, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just kind of a masculinity thing or whatever the case is, but what you said is real because, you know, we're really big fans of Nipsey and the marathon uh, mantra, and it's like, the way I see it is like, yo, if you're really about that marathon life, how are you going to sustain yourself to even be available for that? Absolutely. And the self-care part comes in, so I'm glad you touched on that, bro. It is massive, and it's just like when I'm feeling good about what I'm doing to myself, what mm-hmm. I'm putting in my own body, what I'm uh, 
you know, investing back into my mind and my physical. Mm -hmm. Now I'm more prepared to go and share that with the world. I'm more fired up to come yeah. to y'all's podcast yeah. because I wasn't just like, you know, eating some fries and drinking a ton and then like feeling bad about coming here and stuff, which yeah. is like, you know, if you can do that, that's fine. But for me, it made my life like spiral out of control. I wasn't like, I didn't have my relationships were suffering, yeah, yeah. my physical, my health was suffering. And you, know, you can only run as hard as, you know, like, like you said, marathon runners. Yeah, they train a lot, but what are they doing when they're not training? They're sleeping, they're hydrating, they're eating the right stuff. They're literally recouping. Yeah. So that's what I'd be doing now, you know. It's like I spend all my other time recharging my energy, honing my energy to be able to expend my energy. I love that, bro. I love that, man. Yeah. Nah, man. It's, it's important, man. man. And um, and and for those listening and watching, man, make sure to go check out Twelfth and Pine all, on all streaming platforms right now. Powerful album, bro. And it's gonna oh, go I down in history. I got a present, little man. We hit me that backpack, man. Come you got on. a gift? Yeah. Come oh on. I, I can't come at the end. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, take <laughs> yeah. note, man. Take note. <laughs> take note. Appreciate you, boss, man. What you got for us, man? But yeah, like I was saying, 12th and Pine, the album, go listen to it if you haven't already. Oh, yeah, go check that Super out. Super amazing sure. project. That's for you right there. Oh, we Mark got man. the official. Man, you got, these, are, these are part of the first 1,000 that I printed up, man, and I keep them. I kept 100 for my peoples. And I, I brought three. I didn't know how big the outfit was, so I don't. But my man from the spring water, I gotta give it to you. <laughs> spring water. I gotta give it to the spring water right there. But I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna loop, loop that in with you, little man, or something. You know, somebody Yo, slide it. To and this man. is um and Marshall man, this is this is dope because you know sometimes when we're doing things in the moment, we may not know, we may not even live to see the true impact it'll have. Um, but yeah, man, this is historical oh, yeah. stuff you guys did, bro, and. This will go down in history and people are going to look back on this time and and when they want to reference like yo what was going on during the year 2020 and what were who were the leaders or who were the people that were trying to keep us uplifted and whatnot um martial law man is definitely going to be one of the names that are mentioned and to even top it off on top of all that you've done you guys get nominated for a pulitzer prize bro now that's crazy, that's crazy. because yeah. the only other hip-hop act to be nominated is kendrick lamar for damn Ever so it's like, mm -hmm. how how was that getting that notification? Like yo, you guys, look. <laughs> how was that feeling, <laughs> bro? Because yeah. that that nobody that's it, it that's, was insane, that's just amazing, you know. And, and the thing was is like like I said, like I really if I hadn't have put my all into it and really hit like rock bottom in a lot of ways, yeah. then I wouldn't expect the bounce back to be some Pulitzer type thing or something like that. Yeah. But like. Once I finally got a chance to like spend a month like hidden, like I used to like live in the band's couch basically. Mm -hmm. I took a whole month and just went back to Mill Creek and just like did like my own type of rehab and recoup and just like a month straight at my parents, you know, not talking to anybody. Like this is my time, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. get my diet right, get my health right, switch to vegan and whatnot. And, and so that that like allowed me to to be recharged. But it wasn't until I was recharged to I realized like. Oh my gosh, I just like really, I got knocked out. Like I really just mm -hmm. threw everything I had into that. So that would, that was probably my first experience since like maybe the state championship run where I was like, 
dog, I gave it my, I gave it the old college try. You know what I mean? Like, I really put everything I had into that. Like, I made some mistakes. It wasn't that, you know, it wasn't always perfect, but, you know, I did it all. So that bounce back, I knew something had to cook. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my pops, like, he just wasn't allowing me to send my, sell myself short. He's like, dog, this should be like, Kendrick Lamar's damn like this should be what it is and he's like you need to look into what's the reality of bringing this to fruition and so I looked into it found out it was a couple Google searches this this and that $150 application they only select you know 300 applicants so it's not like it's like a a go yeah right and there's yeah. 15 finalists and there's one winner but they only select 300 people and that's... then they looked through our stuff and said like them boys went to the front lines and, and yeah. that's what the, you know then i started doing my research you know me like same way i'm mm -hmm. like Dog, that's just how i am like mm -hmm. once it became a reality i'm like okay i'm not missing out on this mm -hmm. and i found out that only 30 black people in life have ever won this award it started in 1917 over 100 years ago mm. it's given out by columbia university and the guy joseph pulitzer who it's about he's credited for bringing news like this newspaper to the common person. And before him, it was looked at like this elite thing, just like, you know, the Pulitzer was. So I feel like we're bringing that same type of spirit of Joseph Pulitzer to the Pulitzer Prize itself. Like mm. I'm looking at it like, dog, if not, if not us, then who? Because who else did what we did and embodies the spirit of what that award means? Mm. And so it was, it was the tap in bro. You know, it was like the, okay, I would, I paid the price to tap in. I paid the price of admission by, by risking getting arrested, by risking getting shot, by risking all these crazy death threats and whatever, whatever, you know, like, okay, I paid the price of admission. And now that I'm here, okay, it's time to apply and to engage mm. and not sit back and think, oh, okay, this is going to happen. Someone's going to do this for me when only 30 black people have ever won it. Mm. No, I, as a black man, I got to go get that yeah. award. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I got to go show other people that, look, you can be a part of this. And it, there's no gatekeep. Mm -hmm. There's no stop. We're just up. Yeah. And we're at them. Mm. And so th that's the mentality. Now I was charged up enough and I'm feeling healthy and I'm remembering who I was as an athlete and I'm starting to get this discipline about me and starting to have some self-worth because people are starting to rally around my only passion and dream that I got kicked out my house for, mm -hmm. dropped out of school for, and all of a sudden I remembered like, okay, this is who you are, bro. Like, you're an athlete, you're a competitor, mm -hmm. and you believe you can change the world, you know? And once I really believed that in my core, I started omitting that outwards, and then the Pulitzer was just a catalyst for all these other opportunities that are coming our way yeah. and that have us so like geeked up and synergized so that's that's what the universe does man right yeah, universe is always listening it's always paying attention june 11th i know you know win lose or draw it's like j cole said this thing can go up it could go, or it down. Could go down it's <laughs> one of two ways you know so yeah. I, i'm just prepared to just you well, know. well congrats regardless man win or bro. lose congrats bro because like you said man just to be in the company to have uh, made that contribution, to be acknowledged for your contribution, bro. Again, it's, you guys are making history, man. You know, so for real, man. Thank so, you. man, I know it's been a crazy year, but <laughs> you guys got anything you guys are kind of cooking up or looking forward to, or like, you know, anything? Yeah, for me, I mean, honestly, the whole thing that that also taught me was like, man, I can't expect nobody to help me, bro. Like. It don't matter if it's my best friend, like, mm -hmm. dog, like, somebody, everybody got so many things going on, like, 
I can't expect no one to help me. Like maybe my pops, and you know, like Matt, like the band. You know what I'm saying? I could yeah. probably be like, hey guys, this is the scheme. Let's go mm-hmm. do the dream. But I, I couldn't expect anyone to help me. So we made that. Uh, we we're like, damn, how do we promote this in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. I literally thought in my head like, yo, we need a parade float. I texted the the person I the contact I had at the Fremont Art Council that does the Solstice Parade each year. I'm like, y'all got a parade float? They're like, yo, we got one. <laughs> you want to come by and check it out tomorrow? I pulled up and there she blowed on that. SS <laughs> jelly beans sitting right there. It's all, it's all a phone call. It's all one the, phone that's call. what I'm saying. Like, one you phone know, call. You don't know who have a parade float until you yeah. really hit your network and be like, dog, who got the parade float? First person I hit. <laughs> who got the, the plug <laughs> on the parade float? I never thought I'd hear someone say yeah, that. Really, really. So, so I pulled up on him. I seen him. I'm like, oh, this thing was dilapidated. It was messed up. But I was just like, oh, it's, she's a beaut. She's a beaut. I'm like, all right, I'll take her. Yeah. You know, like, all right, you got till the end of the month to fix her up, figure out somewhere to put her. You know, we'll sell it to you for a dollar. I said, bet, where I sign? Where I sign in this club? Wait, boy. what? They sell me that parade floor for a dollar, boy. I signed, like, put my John Hancock on that ball, boy. Let me, let me put my Yo, John Hancock Yo, let me get this person's number, please. <laughs> for real. Hey, no, I got for... some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, Let It Be Made 8. Uh, Enrique Yo. and Lee Marie is, is a couple that, like, they... By a couple of things. Yeah. Things. That's for what I'm real. saying. I throw five on that. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, it was the only one they had at the junkyard, but they might have some others lying nah, that's, around. That's dope. So, yeah, they, they sold it to me, and uh, then the, the boys, Matt, Mercy, and uh, hit everybody. It's like, yo, it's time to go to work. Mm-hmm. So we fixed it up, and this was in October, so it was cold as hell. We're like, whatever, you know, we got to drop the album October 23rd. So we just, it was a sunny day, put on our gloves, put on the parade float, and we just drove around. And, like, same thing I was telling you about Matt. Like, bro, this boy's crazy. Like, we pulled up directly on the Space Needle right in that loop. They're like the the staff is looking around like oh what are you guys doing it's like bro what are y'all finna do it's a it's a huge parade float like by the time you call the cops like dog we're gone like so we pulled up did like you know 15 minutes like directly in front of the space bring it direct to the consumer boop gone you know and so that was that was what that's what's next man is teaching all these creatives teaching everybody you don't need no gatekeeper you don't need no venue approval you don't need no help from anybody what you need to do as an artist is walk outside of your house and get a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars a year now you're cooking mm-hmm. now you're not tripping fighting over oh well numos didn't pay me this numos you know what i'm saying yeah. that's that, yeah. that was the that was the trap i was in you yeah. know yeah looking at like uh you know no offense to anybody looking at a predominantly white network like hey why don't you help me and like after the protest, I got out of my own head. Like, bro, I don't need your help. Yeah, yeah. At all. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't need it. Yeah, direct con- direct to consumer is is um it's the way to go, man. If you can't, if you can manage yeah. it, and if you if you have value, you guys clearly have value. Yeah, so. exactly. Fair, but I feel like That's any dumb. creative, if you have, there like look, I listen to so much different music. I've seen so much different art. I've been in an art museum. Yeah, I'm telling you, fam. The difference between people who make it and don't are the people that do it and do it consistently. Mm. You, I could look at a Basquiat and I could look at a person on the street and I could make an argument for that person on the street. Mm-hmm. It's all this stuff in between, all That's this minutia. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, who am I to say someone doesn't have value or has value? Yeah, yeah. There's seven billion people in this world. No, for sure. If yeah, yeah. Any person, if I can make, you get enough of these yeah. poured up, brother. 
You get enough of these yeah. poured up. You can get a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars for these. Yeah. You're paid. Yeah. And now you got startup money. You got yeah. investment money. And right? I think that's that's the thing though. Value is is seen both ways, right? Because mm-hmm. you may not think it's valuable, but once you got to pay attention to who actually is paying attention to you. That's the whole point, right? Because people mm. are trying to get people who aren't paying attention to tap in and yeah. neglecting those who are. Yeah. And it's like, yo, these people think you're valuable. Hey, go to them. Exactly. Start with so, yeah. your family, exactly. your yeah. friends. That makes sense. Their friends. And literally what I did, and this is game, like I'm trying to tell you, this is what worked for me. This is how I'm able to just do art every day, all day. I wrote a list. Mm-hmm. I say, who, who do I know that would possibly give me a hundred dollars a year? Mm-hmm. And I wrote this list and I spent, three, four days writing this list, going through my Facebook, going through my Instagram, going crazy. I'm like, damn, I got 700 people on this list. If I can even convert a third of this, I got such a great start to that thousand mark I need to hit. Yeah. And so once I put my focus off of, okay, help me, help me, like, nah, hey, what you got going on? Because I got something going on and uh, you need music at it or you need a soundtrack for this or you yeah. need a jelly bean yeah. performance or... Do the work. You, you know, you do need just a cool person to hang out for 50 bucks. However I got to do it, let me convert these people from just loosely in my network to ambassadors. And then it's like, dog, right now, I can sell out the show box. Mm. But... Talk your ish. I don't need to. I don't need yeah. to. I don't need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, no. But it, yeah. I, I just love that... Man, that's game though, because I love that you're sharing the insight and the context to how it looks when you get on that jelly bean. What goes into that mm-hmm. the jelly bean, bro? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, for that's, real. A, that's I mean, for the next podcast. That will tell you the story. Yeah. The story of the jelly, jelly bean. bean. <laughs> we might just do a separate podcast for the jelly for bean. But um, but Marshall, man, before we get you out of here, uh, we always uh, ask our guests this question. It's great because it, you know it, it cap- encapsulates everything we were talking about, but also casts what's ahead. Um, so if you can, my brother, what's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why? Hope. I wake up every day with the hope that I can influence people around me to be better and change my family's circumstances. Mm. You feel me? Every day, as soon as I wake up and my routine and my actions mimic that hope. So I wake up try to wake up early as I can, usually 5.30 a.m., airplane mode. Before I go to sleep, airplane mode. First two hours, that's me. Don't even, can't even mess with me if you wanted to. I'm mm-hmm. writing songs, I'm typing my emails, I'm prepared, I'm just, it's just my, my time. Mm-hmm. Then I'll open up to calls. Most people that are up at 7.30, those are the most intense people you want to talk to. Those are people with hope. Those mm-hmm. are the people buzzed up. Those mm-hmm. are the people, okay, yeah, let's let's get after it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then by the time 9 a.m. rolls around, I have already had hope established since 5.30. Like, there's nothing anyone can mm. do to get me out of my zone. Powerful. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Powerful. I'm gone. Anybody could say anything about me, but I was up at 5 a.m. by myself mm. doing push-ups. You know what I'm saying? Do, yeah. Doing stretches, doing yoga, getting after it, Yo, writing that's, songs. That's... You know, so I love it. it's that mamba, bro. You got it on here. On, like, man. you got to find and carve out that time for yourself, especially early to establish. Like, it doesn't matter what you got going on, or what you think I got going on, or what you got to say about what I got going on. Unless you're gonna physically stop me from doing what I got going on, it's gonna happen. Mm. And take that stance and run, and you're up. Mm. Hope, man. Yes, sir. I Hope. love it, bro. For real. 
Yeah, I'm inspired, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm inspired, Me too, bro. I'm man. inspired, man. I'm glad, we, I'm glad we did this. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But Marshall, man, you know, again, shout out to you guys, man. You, the entire band, the entire team that goes yes, in, sir. that helps with everything you guys do. Absolutely. Um, and man, you know, your contributions and your attempts, man. At the end of the day, all we have is our attempts and our contributions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, much success to y'all moving forward. You guys support with us anytime you need it. Always, always, bro. Always. And uh, thanks for Likewise. bringing, thanks for bringing us gifts. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Appreciate uh, you, yeah, man. man. With that was, and with that said, I think it's safe to say, man. Marshall Hugh and the Marshall Law Band as a whole are officially members of the Up and Up. Can we get a round of applause? Hey, yes, sir. My brother, bro. My brother. Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire up and up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the up and up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the up and up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the up and up.